Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. Jesse Wooden came to Brownsville looking for his mother's grave. What he discovered was a piece of Miami history covered in weeds and in disrepair. Jesse found the marker for his late mother at Lincoln Memorial Park Cemetery. It's an all-black cemetery built at a time when South Florida was segregated in life and in death. Over the decades, the cemetery has been neglected if not forgotten. But it's a place rich in South Florida history. Buried there is Miami's first African-American millionaire, D.A. Dorsey. So was the first African-American woman elected to the Florida legislature, Gwen Cherry. Henry Reeves, who founded the Miami Times newspaper. Also buried there are victims of lynchings from South Florida's Jim Crow past. Jesse bought the cemetery in 2020. He's taken the lead in restoring Lincoln Memorial. Over the years, efforts have been made to highlight the history of the cemetery. Now there's a new one. An exhibit titled A Call to the Ancestors opened in Little Haiti over the weekend. It takes audiences inside the cemetery, highlighting its history and the effort to restore it. Jesse hopes to save this piece of South Florida history before it disappears from sight and from memory. Welcome, Jesse. Nice thanks for me to have me. It's you know, like we were telling you before you got here, like this has been a thing that we've been thinking about for for months now, since we first heard that that you guys were working on an an exhibit that would highlight the cemetery and the work that you guys have been putting into restoring it. Um, I I think that there's something here that I think what catches our attention and just when we were uh, learning about it was that this is a project that's both historically important, but also deeply personal to you, right? Yes, it is. So tell me about that. Tell me about how this, how the search for your mother brought you here. Well, it began uh, about four years ago when I was in South Carolina, and I found out that my mother was originally from there by her sister, and that she was buried here in uh, Miami. It had been a long journey. I always wanted to know exactly where she was and where she was buried, and I didn't know because that was a big that was a like a big uh, family history. Right, s- not secret is not the right word, but kind of like a. Like a, a thing that you hadn't explored in your in right, your you know, it, it has been one of those things that where you know you have the tendency to sort of like forget about it, but it's still there because you want to know. And um, I I really want to know where my mother was and and visit her. I never got the opportunity to visit her grave because she um, passed during my infant days. So oh, uh, your, your mother your mother died when you were an when, infant when you were an infant. Yes. What okay. uh, what was the story? What was the story from that? Were you were she in South Carolina? What, what no, was her she, life like she then? lived here in Miami. Mm-hmm. We know we live here in Miami and South Carolina. Mainly that's where she's from. I see. So I um and I have a bunch of land in South Carolina. I was there doing some work, and I discovered that where I was doing some work at, she actually grew up right down the street. Oh wow! Right. So I went down there to meet her family. For the first time, I never knew her family, never saw or none of her sister or siblings or anything like that. Wow! So you were you were not raised with by her by her kin, so to speak. You were raised by my father kin, and then when I was younger. But he um, passed when I was very young, and I was, you know, shipped off here and there. And and so during this um, time in South Carolina, I met her sister, which was ninety eight years of age. And oh she, my goodness! Wow, you right. just just in time, right? And she told me everything about my mom when she left and how she looked in and et cetera. Because believe it or not, I have never seen a picture. Okay, 
you know, so it was kind of, you know, it was really touching to me. It was a huge moment for you personally to be right. able to put those pieces together. Most definitely. So when I went down to Miami, came down to Miami to visit her at the cemetery. Because cause then you're, you're, you're uh, I guess you're, her That's sister, my auntie. Your, right. your auntie, she she told you that she was buried here in Miami. Did Correct. you know where? Did you know that it was this, this cemetery? No, I didn't. I, knew, I never um, actually knew nothing about Lincoln. Mm. haven't even been over there. Mm. And been in Miami plenty of times. even went to school here and et cetera. But, you know, by not knowing my mom. So, you know, you sort of grew up like, okay, you know, you just grew up, you know, fatherless and motherless and you try to m- move on, and which I did. After discovering that she was there, um, I met the previous owner there, um, Jessica Williams and her family, and um, I was taken aback how the place was being kept. It was just atrocious, if I may say. Tell, tell me about that that first drive into the cemetery because the cemetery has this this really ornate, this really beautiful kind of uh, entry archway, right? But the, but the rest is surrounded like an old beaten chain link fence, you right? Know? Like you can see, you can squint your eyes, right, and imagine what it was. Oh, tell uh, me about that first. Oh, well, actually, the first time I went there, it was it wasn't pleasant because I tried to get in a visitor, and they wouldn't let me in. It was like no, no visitors no more today. The gates was locked, and so. I was like taken aback. We mm. had a few words, and I came back and spoke with them again. And upon speaking with them again, I found out that the place was in trouble mm. um, with the courts and not being taken care. So I wanted to move my mom. I actually got a quote from them to move my mom. They have, they put me in contact with a funeral home to uh, find out how we're going to get shipped her to South Carolina. But my siblings did, was against it. So. Then I went back and spoke to them again, and then I said, okay, what can I do? When I found out the place was in trouble, so I just made a conscious decision to stop everything I was doing to drop it and to purchase the place to clean it up. Wow, okay, I think let's let's stop on that for a second because Mm -hmm. you went in with a very different idea, like connecting some pieces in your life and maybe move your mom closer to where where you're right. living in South Carolina, right? Right. I wanted to move her there because we, there's a big family plot there. Oh, and I, I found out her mother and everyone's there and they've, at the plot in South Carolina. So I wanted to move her there. I see. And, but my siblings, they was totally against it. Right. Now, keep in mind at this time, now I'm a little frustrated with my siblings then because I'm like, okay, you guys know where she was and no one brought me here or told me. Oh, so, wow. you know, it was, it was heart-wrenching. So... I went back again, like I said, and after I found out the place was in trouble, I made them an offer they couldn't refuse. You know, I'm sure it was more than I should have, but it was priceless to me to ha- to be able to have mom, you know. So, and that's what I did. And from there, I took on the initiative of cleaning it up and making sure that the place, not just for my mom, but the place in total, be recognized. Now, I didn't know about um, uh, Dorsey and all, no one there, because I'd never been there. I'd never knew about the place what have you it's like you learned about it in reverse like right your your you're really good your goal was to be able to care for your mom's final resting place to begin with and then you start learning all the of history. history right and so i'm like wow you know then i learned about mr Farr and miss gwen cherry and all these people that's there and i'm like wow my mom is buried out here with all these individuals you know and that sort of really made me feel good that you know she was there with so many important people's and so then I knew then it was something that I needed to do. Who, okay. who who helped you fill in some of that history? Because so much of that, because in a place like that, things can get forgotten. We have stories, you know, that have been written about the, the cemetery over the last few years 
where whole cemeteries are overgrown and forgotten. Right. Right. So it had to have been some local keepers, right, of right. this knowledge that started filling in those pieces. For right. Me. I, you know, so I, I found out about Dr. Edna Pinckney, um, Dr. Dunn, and um, a host of others that, you know, I went in to in, introduce myself and mm-hmm. ask them, and even some of the groundskeepers there and the former um, owners there was telling me something about the history. So then I went to reading up on a lot of the things, and I'm like, I was really taken aback how rich in history this place is. But at the same time, I'm sad because of the upkept and how that, you know, how can the community or as a whole, you know, and um, allow this place to be like this. So Because there's a part of it that, like, a cemetery gives a community context, right? Yes. Like if a place grows around it, you know that, especially if people are important to the community, if they end up buried there, they say something about what that place was. Right. And so the fa- once we start cleaning it up um, and getting it back and opening it up every day, uh, you know, having people to come back, the families to start coming out and letting us know the history and telling me this and et cetera. And so it really became a passion then, you know. Yeah. And so I took that passion and I just ran with it. And and with the help of the community and um, Junie Arty has been great help with me. And I ran into, uh, met um, Carl Juss and uh, Rebecca Freeman. They have and um, been instrumental in with the history. Also, I must say that um, Mr. John Allen, late John Allen, bless him, he um, was over the Carl Gavis Museum. He, mm. They came out and um, gave me much history. Him and I um, did a book on Dr. Farr, which is going to be published. And Dr. Farr was the, the original? The original owner who actually found the place. He so. founded the, the, the cemetery. Uh, right. And that was founded like in, we'll get into some of the history of that, but that was founded like in 20, 1923, right? It was actually, um, it was 19, the records that I have I think is 1911, something okay. like that. Because, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's not a surprise, but it is also, it does kind of hit you in the heart, you know, when you think about that Miami was segregated even in death, like even in places where you were allowed to be buried. You right. Know? And that, that's why a place like this had to exist in South Florida, given and, the, the Jim Crow climate. Exactly. Because so when I purchased the place, uh, of course, I gather all the records. And I have records and and stuff like that goes back to show where that there was individual that was lynched and he would go cut down and bury. Um, where were two veterans and et cetera who couldn't get buried in Arlington. And so they're, they're wow, buried out there. World War II veterans who couldn't get buried in Ireland. Right, because of, you know, the race thing back then, you know. Because of the segregation. Because of the segregation. So you have right. these, these war heroes. We have war heroes out there and so many, um, you know, individuals that, you know, out there that back then. So, you know, as I went along, it became more and more, you know, of a passion. And I'm like, wow, you know, so. You came, you came looking to close a loop, right? Just to close, get closure off this thing, and it's launched an entirely new it, it, avenue for you. It, it took me way beyond, I, you know, I would never dreamed of. You know, to think about, you know, all my life, I never, you know, knew mom, and, but I always wanted to know about her. And so this took me in the avenue, and I thought I wouldn't be there. I would have never thought, you know, that I would be her gatekeeper, okay? Oh, wow. You know, to, you know it, that's, you know, so it has this, I cannot say, it has this, great points and also there are sad moments too because you know I'm not the only one out there you know wants to know about their loved ones mm-hmm. who they haven't known or who hasn't gone and so I just want to make it better for all those and and I can say that there are so many individuals now that actually on board you know and you know to have, making sure that happened you know and you know if you just 
go there, you see these chain link fencing, you see the way they are and the stuff like that. And it was like, wow. You know, then you go inside and there's so much history. I tell you, when you in there, it just give you this different feeling. Yeah. You know, it's just something I never experienced before. What, yeah. what was it like for you? Talk, talk to me about that first when you're finally able to get in okay. and you and they take you to this. I mean, even just getting to the actual plot of where your mom was must have been an undertaking and then standing in front of it. Right. When I oh, I can tell you when I first went there and I actually was in front of there and looking at her grave and, and believe it or not, her name is completely there and read just as wonderful. And I can't describe in words how I felt, but I know I must have. I don't know when I stopped crying, okay, to be honest with you, okay? Wow. I must have cried for days, you know, just to see that her name and when she, because I never know when she was born. Her a date was there, and she died on November 24th, was Thanksgiving, which I didn't know, okay? Oh, wow. And so to see my mother's name on that tombstone, and which I always wanted to know where she was, a, it was very emotional for me, and you know, and so, but now every time I go, into the cemetery my first stop is to go and say good morning or hello mom how you doing and i can tell you it just has been inspiration to me um every day every time that i go there you know and i you know and i looked and saw that you know when she passed she was only 32 years of age oh young woman you know and so it really um took on another whole dimension of what i came there for i actually just came to move her but i you know but the powers that be so different our guests today are Jesse Wooden and Juni Ati. Together they operate Lincoln Memorial Park Cemetery in Brownsville. It's the subject of a new exhibit at the Little Haiti Cultural Complex on display through November 23rd. Juni, I, I, I want to bring you in here because we've been talking with Jesse about this, this project that started as something very personal, right? Something that started uh, kind of closing a loop in his family and it, and it, it has turned into this, this another connection into South Florida. But for, for that to happen, it requires, a project like that requires people like you. Tell me about how you, uh, like, how you guys met and how it became, how you became so important in, into bringing uh, the cemetery, you know, back to where it's, where it's supposed to be. Thank you, Carlos. Um, so I started my journey with uh, the cemetery actually prior to Jesse owning it, right? So I was, uh, I started my journey with a prior owner, Jessica Williams. And I came in under a consulting role. So I have a small business that I do administrative consulting um, when it comes to managing your HR and payroll um, activities. So really, like, like logistically, how do we mm-hmm. keep how do we keep this place <laughs> running? How do we keep it afloat, kind of thing? Yeah. Right. And not long after I started with her, she she expressed you know the fact that she has. She said, "Hey, you know, I met someone who I think will be uh, better." Um, in assisting with providing you know, better better and stronger resources to really get the cemetery where it needed to be. It's an overwhelming project. It's a lot of work. And I just don't know if I can continue to carry the torch. Well, we can, we should say, I mean, it's a 20-acre it piece of property. It's this it's this big swath of property <laughs> right in the middle of Brownsville, right off of uh, uh, Unity, no, uh, Northwest 27th. And, and 46th Street. And 46th yep. So just north of the 112. Correct. Um, so, so give me a little bit of the history of the background, Junie. Like the... The last owner is kind of like it was handed down from kind of yep. through family through the original owner, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So it was handed down by her aunt, Ellen. And then uh, upon Ellen passing away, she passed it on to Jessica Williams. Um, however, you know, now we're going back into time when we're working with passing it down or handing down a business to a family member who doesn't have a business 
background, background right right, <laughs> right and that's so the case i mean take take the name cemetery mm-hmm. away but we've we we know stories of people who hand down yeah. a restaurant a hotel of uh, course whatever it is you know that gets handed down and not not everybody necessarily has the interest or even the ability to correct or the resources to do something like that to, right. to keep it running so in the beginning jessica had the resources right because her aunt had the resources mm-hmm. But not, you know, a couple of years after the aunt passed away, those resources became depleted. Mm. And when you haven't had a, be- a business background where you network with the community, build resources, build capital, things start to kind of fall underway. Sure. Um, in Jessica's efforts, yes, she did get assistance from, you know, great institutional, you know, FIU. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it would work for a short period of time. But, you know, let's be honest, we live in South Florida where the grass grows just as fast as you complete a sentence. Exactly. So as soon as she cut the grass, the grass would just become, it would come more and more. So she always made her best efforts to keep the front part of the cemetery, the first two lots clean. Mm. However, the back started becoming a bit overwhelming. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it feels like the like your closet where everything gets kind of shoved into the back. Yeah, I mean, it started looking like, you know, I guess you could say Jurassic Park. Like it started <laughs> turning into its own mini jungle back there uh, because I know when I first got there and she said, hey, would you come by and give me, you know, I'll give you a tour. I didn't even know what I walked into. And then when I saw it, I said, oh, wow, you know, the front. I said, wait a minute, I can't see the back. There's no back wall. And she said, uh, there is. You just can't see it. What, and what, what brought you to it? Did you have a personal connection to the cemetery? Actually, I did not. Mm. So it was a friend of Jessica who already knew Jessica that said, mm. hey, I know a young woman who um, can help you with the logistics of this. Would you be willing and open to it? And then she reached out to me. She said, hey, I have a small project. You know, can you come in and assist? And I said, well, to what capacity? You know, like, <laughs> what does she need help? Oh, she needs help with administrative. And I'm like, well, you know. For part of my business model is let's go deeper, right? Let's figure mm. out what type of help she needs, so then I can I may have to go get additional resources right. to help out. So additional resources arrive in the form of Jesse Wooden, who correct? Comes, <laughs> who comes looking for his mother's mm. final resting place? Yeah. Tell me about that meeting and what and did you know right away like this is a guy who who really cares about is invested in in making this place. Um, something that reflects what it was so jesse acquired it not long after covid began right so now the world has shut down Mm. no one's really meeting and greeting with anyone Mm -hmm. so the communication between me and jessica kind of slow down for a bit right because now there's no activity going on there's no need um for constant um that pulse check coming and then i get surprisingly i get a call and says hey my name is jesse wooden i'm the new owner of lincoln memorial and i asked him to repeat it a couple times i'm like who <laughs> and he said i'm the owner i'm like what does that mean i said are you? i was like oh, wait a minute. i was like i know jessica jesse i was like are you punking me like is this real <laughs> so he told me he took over and i'm like great i'm coming down there to see what you took over and what you plan on doing with it because um I just want to see. Right, were you what was your impression like? I mean, let's let's be honest, we live in a in a in a place where that everything is being developed and redeveloped. You're right. like, is this is this a guy who's going to buy up this this thing and turn it into con this land and turn it into condos or something horrible? That was my that was my first question due yeah. to the fact that there are new high rises not far from where mm-hmm. the cemetery is being mm-hmm. built. So, I really wanted to see what his personality was, why he purchased it, and then when he explained the story in person, I was like, Okay, again, where are the cameras? Is right. this real? This is this is too good you, to be you, true. You, right? He showed me where his mother's grave was. I was like, what? <laughs> wow. So I was one um, inspired. I was taken back. Yeah. Because I was like, well, 
I guess everything happens for a reason. Um, I'm meant to be in the right place at the right time. And at the time I said, hey, I know we don't know each other. However, I would like to continue with this adventure. I would like to continue now that you have the resources. I have the backup resources on the logistics side on, and to run the operations. Let's see what we can do. Let's see how we can take over this thing and make it better. Jesse, tell me about how important it's been to work with Junie to because she you came in with this very personal thing, but there's this whole history that you had to learn, right? Right. Tell me about how important she's been for oh, she, that. She's been very instrumental. Um, you know, when I first met her, you know, and like I told her, I talked to everybody who was there before, and you know, we got the ones that I knew wasn't for the place, mm-hmm. and and you know, so I reached out to her and I explained to her that this is some personal, but that also that I liked the work that she was doing. And she's came on board. She's been there every step of the way. I can be, tell you that. And, uh, you know, of course, everyone has their doubt. And they, you know, and they're looking as though um, this is some, you know, people think that it was some quick, get-risk-quick scheme, you know. And believe <laughs> right, me right. or not, now, I have I haven't had tr- tremendous many offers to sell the place. I mean, developers in there, people just want to come and buy the place for other reasons, just like you mentioned before, actually to do high-rises and stuff. And, and, we, and we've already seen cases. Mm-hmm. I think there's one spot in Lemon City I think right. about yeah. where, where construction started and they realized they were on top of a cemetery. Exactly. Because, because a lot of these you know, all-black cemeteries, because we know because of segregation, because of racism, they were just folks, were, their histories were totally erased. Right, they're privately diverse. owned and they were handed down to, again, we go yeah. back to the family members who aren't equipped to really run a business. Although it, right. it's a cemetery, people just kind of have a tendency to disregard the business aspect of running mm-hmm. uh, a cemetery. It's a long-term project. It's not a you know, it's not a microwave job. It's a, it's a right. long-term investment. And so you know when so when that did happen, you know, and I explained to her, you know, um, try to find out what they did before mm-hmm. to see who can I work with and pick it back off of that like FIU. And um, Carl Just and um, you know and, and Rebecca Freeman and over at FIU and other people and John and, and, and Cargill Museum. So I found out that there really are a bunch of people, a lot of people that really have a genuine concern for the history and the cemeteries. Folks that were invested, right? In it. Folks yeah. really just invested in, it. and mm-hmm. those are the people that I leaned on, and I sort of made my circle and started working with them. So when I did that, I just open up the wallet, didn't care, and just pour it in until we got to the point that, uh, you know, now I have to just say I thank the um, Commissioner Hardiman office. Um, they're very instrumental in it happened. The mayor was, I mean, we're actually now in the future um, getting ready to build uh, and wreck, you know, new um, eight-foot um, gate is coming up in the near future, in the next few weeks, I should say. Oh, like walls it, around it. The walls that. around, yeah. we're taking out the old chain lift fence, um, I'm putting lights out there now. Mm-hmm. Want to make it where they can come out there and visit, you know, really, really bring it to where, you know, it blo- um, belongs to the community. Because it's a community project, it's a community place. It's not, you know, Jesse or Junie or just because it's my mom, you know. It's more history there than just my mom. It's a history there for the entire state of Florida. And so that's what I want it to be. And, um, and so now we have a, a board. We have a board, you know, now and a nonprofit board that really helping us. And so I just thank uh, all the individuals that's involved. 
I, I'm, I'm curious about that because let's let's put it into context, right? Like mm-hmm. we just mentioned at the top that like Miami's first African American millionaire, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, D. A. Dorsey. D. A. Dorsey is buried there. Right. So was Florida um, uh, the first African American woman in the Florida legislature, right. Gwen yeah. Cherry? Yes. Tell me about some of the some of the history there. Take me through some of it, both like not just the names, yes, but also some like we we mentioned folks who were f- folks who were lynched. Who I, were I, I tell you what really touched me so much is that. I have so many records, and to find out that Mr. Farr, Kelsey Farr, he had seven um, cemeteries and like five or six funeral homes, mm. and um, he buried, I think, like a hundred and some people, hundred and some thousand people in wow. 1917, somewhere back there when there was a Spanish flu, and there's so many babies out there, oh, you know, goodness. infants, you know, still birth, and how you, you see that you, you literally walk the little casket in your hand. And, you know, to have all these kids out there that, that you know, it's just. Yeah, so, so although Kelsey Farr, uh, the cemetery was segregated, mm-hmm. he didn't have that mindset. Mm. So he was open to everyone and assisting everyone. I mean, he buried individuals who probably didn't have enough to pay. Right. right? So oh, wow. we would mm-hmm. have um, from the records that we read and due to privacy reasons, we won't mention names, uh, soldiers who came home from the war and were lynched in uniform. Oh my God! Uh, you know, veterans who were same thing. They were lynched in uniform, and he would go with his crew, and he would cut cut it down, and he would bury you properly. If your family couldn't afford it, it wasn't an issue. You know, at the time, his his thing was he made due to his other business endeavors. He mm-hmm. felt it was his right to just you know you know take you to your last burial place, and if your family couldn't afford it, it wasn't you know it wasn't a big thing for him. Um, nope. Even and there were other families you know mm-hmm. who divested in in, in in invested in the funeral right we have plots who are still family members of open plots that we're still hoping that the family members come and 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 come bury their loved ones there because the plots are have been paid for wow. <laughs> right. It, and, it, it, yeah right you take like uh um dr chapman the first black dentist mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. is out there and and so, he would see and he would see a lot of patients that uh like a lot of white white dentists wouldn't uh, again one time during a cigarette right yeah. Exactly, you know, and like Kelsey Farr, you know, that he, you know, to help the families bury, I have records where you can, the barriers back then was $25, and they would give a $5 deposit, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes I just go back and read and like, wow, and I look at the prices today, I'm like, wow. So, well, it, you know? it goes to, to a lot of credit to um, to Kelsey Farr that he kept, it sounds like he kept detailed records of everyone. Very, very detailed, yeah. pristine records. Whereas His, like, like yeah. there's, we know that there's cemeteries in West Palm Beach where, mm-hmm. where they were just yeah. mass graves of people that were killed during, sure, you know, sure. the, the killer cane of 26 that, you know, we read about and, you know, the rise of yeah. watching God, right. you know, uh, but he did. He, you guys really know who's there, and you can you can really honor that history for people who 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 like you might show up for the first time, exactly. and not have context for it. Exactly. So and, that, that, and that's a rare thing to do is to have a business owner be so pristine and organized in record keeping, because mm. he also has pre-printed um, uh, index cards. Ca- index cards mm-hmm. that we don't even use typewriters anymore. That his secretaries had pristine knowledge. We know exactly if someone's to come in, we know it's. Slot A, row 10, area 5, that is how deep that they went into. It's almost like in my accounting background, it's a general ledger that they created in order for uh, the records to be kept. So we didn't have an issue 
um, finding the graves. It was just more so getting through the overgrown debris to get to them. Right. And you guys have had some some pretty good allies there. It sounds like folks who you mentioned FIU and the Coral Gables Museum a couple years ago did their own exhibit. Exactly. Right? And so that's why I went back to them when I heard what they did, because they did some such um, instrumental work there and really helped bring it to light, you know. And so that's one of the things that I'm continuing to work on now um, to get help with to make sure all the records are digitized where they can be open to the public, where they can actually go online and look up their loved ones. Because now if you call the cemetery and you tell me your loved ones, say if they was buried in 1920, I would have to go through all those records, all 1920, and find them. You know, And we have them, though, but it's tedious work, you know. And like I said, you know, the... Uh, I'm just thankful for the uh, Commissioner Hardiman office, for the Mayor Carver office and the community and their staff. They have been great in helping um, this journey as well. And they've taken a vested interest in and the community as well, mm-hmm. you know. And um, Have because, you gotten some feedback from, from folks that live in and around all, the area? All, all the time. walking in? Our biggest feedback was when after we cleaned the cemetery, mm-hmm. um, we launched a Mother's Day event. Right, so oh, so you officially opened it. Mm-hmm, on, so on, we officially opened it. It was kind of open and people were driving by, but we really wanted to launch it, right? So in honor of Jesse's mother, we did yeah. it on Mother's Day. I love um, mm-hmm. And we had the support of a local funeral home, right, right and Young Funeral Home. They sponsored, um, but De- Jesse also uh, donated the first 100 plate nameplate. So you would get a, a, a new nameplate and we would paint repaint the grave. Um, we were expecting maybe a couple hundred, over a thousand people showed up. Yes, wow. it was amazing. And we were there from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Right. We asked them to come back the next day. They were just overwhelmed and happy that they actually got a chance to come in, have closure. And and these people, they actually remembered exactly where the graves were. No matter how far back it was, they knew exactly where to go. Um, and we just had a lot of uh, a lot of emotional fallouts from people just being thankful and grateful that they can actually walk through, and not just moms, right? Dads and and cousins and uncles who were buried there. So the the overwhelming um, support from the community, Has the fact that it wasn't uh, that it, it looked like a place that you can come to, one helped the community feel like okay, this is now a safe place, right? This is now a safe place where Mm -hmm. our loved ones are buried. It's no longer a place that's been neglected and no one's taking care of it. Now this is a safe place for the community, which helps the community. Because at the end of the day, we really want this place to be a uh, a landmark for the community, right? A positive landmark, not not something that's scary, not something that oh my god, you know we're you know we can't go there. We really wanted it to have more of a positive light towards it, and that's what Jesse has really helped in that aspect. And I mean, just the crew. I mean, what they it took them days to get through that debris. Um, Jesse's brothers, sons came out there and put on hazmat suits from head to toe. And I had to take my hats off to these guys and they attacked the weeds. (laughs) Because because we should say that like hurricanes knocked over trees and and broke tombstones and open and there were open cribs that people had, you know, there were some there were some like grave desecrations, you know, like just yeah. (laughs) I mean, even like, you know, again, if it's a hidden dark corner, Mm -hmm. there was drug paraphernalia. It was a place that would just kind of. This this forgotten. Spot. It was a place yeah. that was desolate. I mean, they, people didn't really care anymore. Uh, I'm not going to say people. It's just some individuals didn't. Sure. Like you said, there was drug paraphernalia. There was here. There was the gates was knocking down. Yeah. When I got there, I had to put the gates back up. You know, and so, but the community has been great. You will see when the guys out there working, you will see people from the community pull over and they have get a case of water. They have something. They bring um, uh, um, lunch to them. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. it was just it was just see the community doing that to the guy. I 
mean, that really, really, and they're so thankful now because they actually, you know, tell, they tell me a lot about the cemetery. I'm still learning today as we go along. Yeah. Every day there's something new I learn about. Yeah, that. like the local business owners, they always have great history, mm. history stories about what really happened and what took place on certain days with certain people. Like what? So we've, so we've learned a lot about, hey, you know, uh, my grandparents, they used to say that this cemetery or this street used to be the best place to come. Because, yes, at first when Kelsey bought it, it was a sad place to come, right? But then over the years, as Kelsey Farr and Gwen Cherry became who they became, mm -hmm. the cemetery got a different reputation, right? It went from being the only place to, like, the best place. Mm. So the reputation changed at the cemetery. Um, veterans now say, you know what, hey, this is where we're going to be finally buried, right? The first, what, officer? Yeah, you're yeah. right. And yeah. we, well, I, we had, there was an um, officer that was killed in the line of duty, and they could no longer come out there and, and visit him to do to honor them. We, I guess every year they honored the fallen officers. Mm -hmm. So we, it took us a while to find him. And my staff, they actually found him. And what was so amazing that the police department, all of them come out, and they brought this machine out, and they walked over the grave with it and and to make sure that was him. And this thing went to going off like, da, 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 da. and they knew that was him because of the badge and the medal in his badge. Oh, the badge. Right. He was buried with his badge. Right. And so we we found the grave for them. And now, you know, they put the flags up there. They come out there now and all the time. And so we also do something on Veterans Day, had the had the local veterans come out and to, you know, to honor the vets back there. Mm -hmm. So those are things that, you know, that really, really just, you know, let you know that, you know, this is what really is supposed to be going on here. I had no, I, let me say this, I had no intentions on even being here this long. I came to move mom and go, but like I said, there was powers to be that, you know, saw something different. And now it's just a passion to make sure that it's a cemetery for everyone. You know, I'm not the only one that's looking for their loved ones and wants to visit them. So that's what I, I'm so thankful about. Our guests today are Jesse Wooden and Juniati. Together they operate Lincoln Memorial Park Cemetery in Brownsville. It's the subject of a new exhibit at the Little Haiti Cultural Complex on display now through November 23rd. You know, when you talk about, you know, re reopening the cemetery, right? And that's, uh, and I know that the exhibit captures a lot of these special moments, but I'm curious for you what it was like that day on a Mother's Day in honor of your, of your late mother to kind of come to a place, you start back at a time where you're trying to make these connections in your own life and now people are you're really connected to Miami through these stories you know you're it closes the loop I'm sure in a way that it didn't uh, it didn't expect what was that what was that like for you to see the community for you to become embedded in that way well I, I tell you it was so overwhelming because you know that's the reason I was there you know try to get that connection with my mom you know and to see everyone's come out on mother day to honor their mom it was such a great i mean it's just such a great feeling that i can't i really can't explain it so i i wanted so many i wanted people to come out so what i did was say well the first hundred come out i'm going to purchase your mother a new headstone mm. and paint her grave this is how bad i wanted to you know individuals come out but they just, they came out tenfold, you know, I mean, so, and then I thought I had enough food to feed everyone. <laughs> and so it, it, it was just so overwhelming to see everyone to come out. And that really, I felt my mother present, to be honest with you. I mm -hmm. felt like her presence was truly there for me. And this is something that, you know, that I longed for for all my life. And, and to able to have that feeling, I, I just felt that that's the day that I really felt that I had closure. 
you know. Will you tell me a little bit about about your life? Obviously, you didn't grow up with your mom. Your dad died when mm-hmm. when you were very young. Also, mm-hmm. tell me about getting to this point a little bit because I am curious about your your life and your career. The guy that comes out and buys a whole cemetery one day. <laughs> well, you know, my life has this had this ups and downs. You know. Um, I, you know, just just a regular person. Did you grow up down here in Miami? I or? grew up in Miami um, for a while, for a long while, mm-hmm. and went to school here. And then I went away to Carolina and started getting into business and went into um, real estate. And, Where'd you graduate from here in Miami? Um, the best school you can go to in Miami Beach. Okay? Oh, Beach High? Beach, beach High right, Tides. Right. Okay. Okay. okay, so, you know, I was a Beach High Tide guy. And, um, and you went to school in, in South Carolina after that? Uh, no, I went to I went to when I went to Tallahassee. Then I went to school um, in Tallahassee for a little while, um, community college. Then I went over to, to get into um, FSU, and they said, "Hey, listen, you haven't been studying long enough. You didn't pass this exam to get in. You got to go back and study." So I oh, went no. back and study. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know. And so I uh, I um, end up in South Carolina, and that's when I start. I, how I got to South Carolina was that. I have an older sister, Joanne, that lived there, and I met her. I only met her on the phone, okay? I never actually met her personally. I met her just phone conversation, and she said that uh, me and her was talking, and for some reason she had so much land up there, I guess family land, hmm. and they wanted me to, she wanted me to have it. And so I purchased that from her, and that's how I actually got to South Carolina, and I went up there to... To visit the land, and when I went, I just sort of like it. I went there, and I went to buy more things, and and I end up meeting my mother, sister, and my mother, sister told me that I that she has a one last brother in St. Pete, Florida, hmm. and I met him for the um, first time, um, and then he was like ninety seven, so. I tell you, it's just it's, wow, you made so many of these family connections so at so late in life, so late exactly, and so it was just so it's so ironic because when I met my mom's sister, she's ninety eight. She told me about my mom down here, and then she told me about her brother. Then I met her brother. Each one of them passed a year apart. It's like, how you know, what was that like for you to be able to fill in these pieces of your life that literally you you hadn't uh, had access to uh, for so long? Know, honestly, it was just. I couldn't believe it. I yeah. just really could not believe it. I'm sitting there with my mom's sister, and she's telling me, you know, what they used to call her, how she look, and, oh, uh, you know, she said my mom, said my father and all, um, took my mom away when I think she was like 13 or 14 back then. I don't know what they was doing back then, but, wow. you know, 13 and 14 wow. back then, and wow. how they called her honey, and, you know, I never, he's thinking, I'm like, wow, you know, so it was really, really very, um, it was just touching, you know, it closed so many doors that I thought I closed but I just wanted you know you just say you want to forget about it but actually not close and it really brought so much closure and then it just opened so many other doors like now you know right and then this like you're now you know you own the cemetery and you're hearing these stories from people right Right. that are connected to this place tell tell me about um Tell me about kind of uh, what you want to do next here. In other words, now there's a there's an exhibit, right, that traces history, but also all the restoration efforts. Tell me about that. Well, I'm so thankful for, like I said, for um, Carl Juice and Rebecca Freeman um, with this exhibit, because what this has done is allow this uh, the cemetery to be more open into just so what we want to do. I really want to take it farther and where the restoration with the help, like I said, of um, Commissioner Hardiman of office and, and 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 everyone to you can come out and you can even night visit you know do tours and I want you know the, the history so much rich history out there that I still have to learn myself 
and like uh, yeah, it's like providing you know providing like educational courses or just education in general right so when we first restored the cemetery we thought to just restore it to have it as a uh, cemetery but more so a cemetery garden right oh, so, I see. so right. the, historical so the, place right so the the image or the theme is to create more of a garden because mm-hmm. it's already a park so what's that? what if we do a park garden right to make it more uh inviting right. <laughs> and i'm not saying but more inviting and then through those efforts um with with carl juice and friedman and rebecca friedman with fiu and the melanin grant um, they have given us the platform for us to really talk about hey the history. Carl started the project in the past with uh, the previous owner, Jessica Williams, mm-hmm. um, and then he continued it with Jesse. And the exhibit over the weekend was phenomenal. Like, yeah, the, I've heard the that turnout. You, you guys had um, uh, Leonard Pitts was there, oh, right. Dorothy oh, Jenkins yeah. Fields, who's oh, a, yes, a great definitely. Miami uh, historian of, of black history. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me more about the exhibit. Some of the things that if, if folks go uh, to the complex, what they what kind of things can they see? When they go, they will, they will see pictures of the past, and mm. this and it. He did an awesome. Carl did an awesome job capturing the past, mm. and it's almost like you felt like the past was kind of the present, right? So he had these really huge, great images of the past and how it used to look, um, and he had images of Jessica and Dr. Marvin Dunn, um, and and them being out there on the graveside. He has images of the workers working. Right, trying to clean up um, what the grave, uh, how the graves were at the moment, um, and then he has um, this really robust photo from um, the artist um, Leonard. What's his name? Lionel. Lionel, um, and it captures kind of a, a an image of a tree, and mm. the tree is life and death. It represents life and death at the same time. Right. Right. It has images of like the lynching, but it also has images of beginning. Right, the beginning and the end. Um, we also, should say Carl, Carl Juice is a very gifted photographer. He's, yeah. a, he's a friend of the program, as we <laughs> he say. Is, uh, he's he a is. Miami Herald uh, photographer. He is, uh, and, they, and we well. were able to go into a panel and ask questions about the history mm. to really help everyone understand the history of it all. But not just the history and give them um, you know, some light into, hey, mm. there's a present too. There's a future that we're working on, but we really want you to understand their three-part phase of it. Tell me about that, right, so that, you know, so much of what you guys have done here is is unearthing some of that history. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the play, the ways that you want to preserve it for somebody who comes to, you know, like, it, can you imagine a future where someone comes in and there's a, you know, that, that history kind of preserved somewhere where fo- folks can go to the different graves and, and see, you know, the history of what's there. Tell me about those, you know, what you guys have planned for the future of it. Well, one of the things we have planned is when you come out, you know, we want to be able to, like, you can go to any grave there and we want to have some background of that individual there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can maybe go in um, um, some kiosks or you can type in or you tell us about this person, you know, how they got here and et cetera, and, and, and the, of the cemetery. And one of the things, you know, I think having people to come in like with tours and have tour directors and, and uh, like Dr. Dunn, he's 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 phenomenal he's in the history. He's a great historian. You know, yeah. and he knows a lot out there. Marvin and, Dunn, uh, yes, one of the great, know. one of the great yeah. historians yeah. in right. Florida. And so, uh, you know, and I, uh, Mr. Dewey Knight, um, um, he's very instrumental in helping as well, and they know a lot of the history. And like I said, I was so, I was so much in making sure that the place get cleaned up in this, and now that we got that phase together is so much now. And I'm learning just like everyone else mm-hmm. about all these individuals. There's so many out there that, 
you, I mean, the Reeves family, you know, after Lee Range family, you know, I mean, she was one of uh, influential person here in Miami too, you know. So I think she has something like twenty relatives out there, wow. you know. And so there's so many out there that you know I couldn't begin to tell you, you know, uh, um, in depth, you know, all they've done because I'm still learning myself. Well, that, yeah, that's so, yeah. So as we learn it through the restoration process, is mm-hmm. one of the biggest projects we have upcoming is like the eight foot gate. Right. So, like I said, to create a safe space for everyone to come in and as the gate comes in right then, we, you know, we have the landscaping come in and Mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's a phase process, but it's a work in progress. Right. You know, and you you touched on this in the beginning uh, a little bit, and that's, you know, obviously this this fear of gentrification, not just fear of, but like Mm -hmm. the reality that that places in Miami that that are that are. vulnerable are quickly taken over and, and turned into something new in history is sure, sure. wiped yeah. over. How do you how do you fight against that? How do well, you push well, you, back on that? Well you push back on it by not not being to me personally, hmm. not being seeing everything about a dollar. Hmm. Okay, so you're talking about a a big swat of land, twenty acres, okay? So you you know, the office that has been come my way, you know, and so it it takes a lot I mean honestly as an individual say, okay you know, no, you know, right. you know, because it's not like my pockets are deep like that, but my heart is deep. Yeah. You know, it's, and, and we so, say no because yeah. we say no because we know we have a, a plan laid out. We know we have a five to ten year plan, so we say no because we know what our strategy is. It's not just because oh we don't want the offer. It's just no. The long there's a long term goal that's going to benefit the community. Um, and not just the local community, but the black community and just every community, right? Well, here, just kind of stand on your tiptoes and look into the future <laughs> a little bit, right? right? Take me into year 10. What would you love to see it? How would you see it all uh, being being really uh, woven into the community? What In what ways? I see gardens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see green landscaping, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a black gate. Open up, opening up like the gates of however to the higher being mm-hmm. uh, and being able to um, either walk or you can jump on a golf cart right. <laughs> um, and be able to get there and go through the grounds. And once you're done walking the grounds, you'll be able to go into the house, which is will be converted into a museum. Log into a digital kiosk and look up a person that you would want to know and see the history in the background behind them. And you could be able to go into the museum and you'll see paintings of various artists, artifacts that we've collected as we, you know, cleaned up the cemetery and just be a, a a garden and a museum, right, to provide education. Right, you know, and I see it, you know, like now, visitors come out every day. I have a call, I have a sign-in log, and you will be surprised how many individuals come out every day mm. and see their loved ones. They will actually lay on top of the graves, and I mean, grown women's, men's, what have you, wow. and they share, you know, their emotion, their tears, and I see where they can come out there, sit on a bench, or they can you know some history about their loved ones and being able to know that you know th- their loved ones is being taken care of that they don't have to worry about someone's going to come and desecrate their graves or they can't get in or is overwhelmed and you know that's what i envision that they can actually come and visit their cemetery and sit down and and, and have that conversation or that moment with those who meant so much to them because i tell you I love being there now because when I see individuals come in and they sit there and they talk with a loved one and I just can imagine the conversation how they felt because that's how I felt mm. I mean I I had that feeling when I, and I like now when I go and when I go and I see mom I say good morning mom how you doing and you know and it's like I'm actually talking to her and you know so I can imagine what they're going through 
and when they see their loved ones. And they're so, you know, thankful to have that. And so there's no way that I could have personally said, well, cause you know what? You know, let someone take it over and move everybody mm-hmm. for a high rise or something like that. Because at the end of the day, you know, what happens to all that history? But then what happens to the kids that needs to come up? I would like to see the, uh, um, the Kelsey Farr, the school that's named after him, mm-hmm. yeah. D.A. Dorsey, that name. I would love to see them get involved in brain, brain the students and to, to learn history. Yeah. That, hey, yeah. this is the person that founded. This is the first black millionaire and et cetera. You know, it gives the youth something to realize that, you know, that even though there's life and death, you know, that, you know, there's things that we still can do, you know, even in, even when they're gone. Because it's it's really really is something else. Jesse, Junie, thank you so much for coming and telling us about your projects and spending the hour with us. No, thank you no, guys thank for, you having, for us. having us. Our guests today were Jesse Wooden and Junie Ati. Together, they operate Lincoln Memorial Park Cemetery in Brownsville. It's the subject of a new exhibit at the Little Haiti Cultural Complex that's on display now through November twenty third. And that's Sundown for Monday, September eighteenth. Leslie Obay-Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News. Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's VP of radio. Richard Ives is our engineer. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo. You can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Kenneth Jessel tells us how he went from being the first in his family to go to college to becoming the president of Florida International University. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. WLRN Public Media. You're tuned.